Welcome, welcome, welcome to Organic Poison Podcast. My name is Shane Smith, and I am here today with a a legend in his own right, a good friend of mine, Jonathan May. What's up, brother? What's going on, Mr. Shane Smith? How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Trying to make it. Getting ready for this show that's coming up, man. Uh, I know that you probably are, I know you're like a world traveler for your job and what have you, but... Uh, in Macomb, on the 6th of November, there's going to be a concert, and I'm going to be performing. I'm not headlining, but I'm performing. Uh, Sire Hayes, the local legend in the making, he is the one that's going to be headlining. It's going to be an awesome show. It's only 8 bucks, and it's a fundraiser. I just want to get this out of the way before we get started on our adventure here. Uh, you guys definitely need to check it out because it's going to be a good time. Heck, yeah. That's, that's exciting, man. I don't think, Shane, I know that I've seen you live and shaken, but I've never seen you in that atmosphere, like in a rap concert. So I am very intrigued. That's Saturday, the 6th? Yeah, yeah, this Saturday. This coming up Saturday. So this episode, uh, for those of you who are listening, this episode will probably air on the radio on Tuesday and then on DSPs on Wednesday. But uh, either way, if you listen to this, It'll be on Saturday in Macomb at the State Theater. Heck yeah, that's exciting, dude! I know that we're going to we're going to Hammond to go see the Eternals. I don't know how late we're going to go, but what time does the show start again? Six o'clock. It's 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 a six thirty seven o'clock show. But you, I mean, I will probably be performing around like nine or nine twenty. So, but in the same breath, I do want to say all the other artists that are performing are awesome guys and they all deserve some recognition as well but uh you know i'll put that in the intro because i'll probably will have promoted this twice by then so <laughs> that's exciting there dude i like if i can find a way to make that work uh because friday night my wife is going to go to hammond to have a girls night with my sister and saturday we're going to go back to hammond uh, we haven't bought the tickets yet so maybe if we buy an early showtime we can come back and catch the whole entire show. Dude, it would be it would be pretty sick if you were there. I know that yeah. there's people in the crowd that would be happy to see you, but in the same breath, I also understand that uh life happens and people are doing things. So if anything, maybe it might just be me coming to the show and my wife and little girl might be back home because my little girl's bedtime is usually at about eight thirty or so. So well, uh, I will go ahead and tell you that you should, if you decide to come out to this concert by yourself, you should probably go ahead and tell them 
that not to be surprised when an Uber brings you home. I don't even know if they have Ubers <laughs> in Macomb. And not to be surprised if you happen to show up at three o'clock in the morning. If that Uber ride is is hosted by Tommy Killingsworth. Yes. Oh my goodness. Do you realize if I mean, look, I already know that we're going to bring some legends out. Like we're, there's going to be there's going to be some hardcore uh, old schoolers at the at the show. But I mean, the more the merrier, man. Like it's it, it's weird in today's day and age because of the fact that it's like. I remember back when it was like we would really we would give everything we had to promote that there was a show coming up the following weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like back before, oh, yeah. back when we were handing out flyers, we were giving our, giving flyers to people that were going to be going to school, and they would have to hand the flyers out. Like you just pestered your homeboys to just pass them out. And it's like now, you know, I'm pretty far removed from like the high school life. Like I'm also thinking to myself, like I don't even know if like we would even want to promote this show to high schoolers. Only reason I say that is because of language, and obviously it's not that big of a deal, you know. Like clearly, high schoolers are, you know, whatever. But still, I'm 29, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, like I don't know if we should be promoting this to high schoolers. But I, I kind of live in the authority of like, if they want to come, they'll find a way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like college kids. That's yeah. that's the perfect crowd right there. Oh yeah, definitely. And we've got we've got a a small little team promoting at SMCC right now. For, for the show so it's you need, get the, you need to get the co-lin squad as well man it would be nice if we could get them to pull up you know like but in the same breath something you know uh, a hard hard segue something that's been being pretty crazy in macomb lately is there's been a lot of shootings you know i think somebody was talking about that recently maybe my dad or somebody in our family but uh that's pretty crazy yeah like, there was a drive-by shooting, right, in Macomb? Yeah, man. There's actually been probably like two or three of those in the past two months. That's nuts. Like, I don't remember, you know, when we were growing up, that never happened in Macomb. It's a it's an overall violence increase. Like, violence, yeah. violence has increased a lot in Macomb. I mean, you know, generally we could look at the whole country as a reference. You know, like because it's just violence has been going up. But something that I was I was talking about the other day was, you know, usually when trends happen across the country, usually they start in L.A., Chicago or New York or maybe Miami. But let's just say those three for now. And then eventually it takes it takes it takes a while before they find their ways to Mississippi. And if they're bad trends, they never make their way here. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not just talking about the way we dress or whatever. I'm talking about also with violence or with inflation or whatever it may be. But for some reason, this go around, that shit is starting to this that shit is affecting us kind of the same way as it's affecting everyone else. Obviously, we don't have seven dollars uh, a gallon gas yet, but it's yeah. like you, yeah, yeah. But there's something something kind of like unsettling i guess when it comes to the violence like you know especially throughout my life you know you you reference when we were teenagers you know it's like when we were teenagers it's like dude we would just go walk around the road in the street wherever we wanted to i'm not saying you can't necessarily do that now in some places in macomb but now i'm starting to think even over the years even when i was more in tune with the, the other side of the tracks if you will like as I got older, like I, I feel like I became more like aware of what was going on on the other side of town, if you will. And 
this what's happening now is different than even then. Like it's it's an uptick. Yeah. It's an uptick all around. And I think that the city of Macomb, not exclusively the government of Macomb, but like just the city of Macomb in general, they don't know what to do. Like it's kind of like overbearing because a lot of these people for the longest time, they thought that they could be like, well, as long as it's happening over there, then who cares? You know what I'm saying? It's like as long as it's happening in a certain area of town, which I'm sure this is a general statement for most little small towns like Macomb, but now that effect is starting to affect a different population. But in reality, it's always been everyone's problem. But a lot of the demographic would just pass the buck. And I think that it's, it's now becoming more of a topic of conversation. And unfortunately, a lot of people are probably only bothered because it makes their town look bad. But in reality, what we have to look at is the fact that like, what is it that's causing people to want to go out and commit these crimes more than they did previously? I think the easy excuse and the excuse that's so uh, prevalent when you when you hear congressmen and politicians is music, right? Music, movies. They video, always want to blame video it on games music. now too. What is it? I said that they're they're pretty heinous about video games too. Yeah, video games, any form of media, it seems like that's always the quickest, you know, go-to for politicians. But I don't know, man. Like, maybe that does have a small effect, you know, uh, especially maybe the culture and the music industry, possibly. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, I I, I don't know. Like, when I was growing up, you know, I I appreciated uh, – a style or lots of different styles of music that were considered by my elders to be very extreme, but I never had the urge to act on, you know, like disturbed for instance. Right. They're, they, they talk about all kinds of crazy stuff in their music, like suicide. And, you know, like, I mean, he talks, there's one song where he's literally like, you know, tie the rope around your neck. And, you know, uh, I can't remember what song that is specifically, but I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, <sighs> You know, I, I don't think that we should blame it on, on music. Uh, however, I will say that I feel like this is a pretty smooth segue into something I did want to bring up is how extreme music videos are these days, man. Like, <clears throat> you know, and maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm not sure. But but I know for a fact that when I was in third grade, fourth grade, you know, the, the most extreme thing we saw was the lower back of Jennifer Lopez for two seconds. Oh, and it was so was, extreme. It was yeah, so extreme. <laughs> that was the most extreme thing we saw in a music video growing up when we were kids. When I was a kid, you know, when I was in third grade, you were probably in, you know, kindergarten. But yeah. I mean, when you were in third grade, grade, I was probably still in the set. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but probably like, I mean, like. When you look at music videos now, and because my wife and I still have an appreciation for modern music, you know, like I hate to admit this, but I like Cardi B. I think she's talented, but a lot of her music videos are just so borderline pornographic, you know, yeah. and it's insane to me that, that that is mainstream music videos these days, you know, stuff that's so wild and extreme that it wouldn't be played on TV back in, 2004 2001 you know like right 
just it's just such an extreme shift in my opinion uh like every pop song every rap song even maybe a little bit in country too is super sexualized specifically rap and, and pop you know right and you can't have a pop artist these days without them sh- being half naked or all the way naked now like nowadays they're butt naked holding their boobs you know like or uh even the guys are doing it you know like <clears throat> yeah. yeah well uh, i would say i think that what currently right now and it there's a possibility that it will tame itself down again because the only reason it's polarizing now is because the biggest artists are doing the craziest, darkest things, you know, but hopefully we can, I mean, I would say hopefully that maybe it'll calm down again. So that way it can rise up again at some point in time. I've always been the kind of guy personally to be like, yeah, go against the grain, do what's pissing them off. But now as an adult, like I have, I have two different visions of that because it's like, let's just, you know, kind of to the example you were going with earlier. It's like we had Lil Nas X. Uh, Lil Nas X does what he does with his videos or whatever he does. Okay. Like listen to his music and you're like, okay, this is cool. This is a cool song. You know what I'm saying? This song's not bad. Like this is tight, whatever. But when, when you, you watch, watch the video, video yeah, or when you look at anything outside of the music, that is the, that is the only thing. I'm not going to say the only thing, but that is the main driver for the music. Because if people weren't defending him or attacking him, who would be talking about it? You know what I'm saying? Like when, it, and I'm not taking this. I'm not trying to like point this at him specifically, but I'm just saying in general, if it wasn't for people attacking him or defending him, who would be talking about it? He would just be another pop artist that happens to be on the radio. But in, I, that's why when I have a problem with things these days, yes, in my younger years, I used to vent my grievances on social media. But nowadays, I try not to uh, give a platform to things that I don't like anymore. Uh, it's, it's hard because you have, you have such an accessible way to vent your grievances to 500, 700, 800 people, however many people you're friends with on Facebook. Right. It's just so easy to just put that out there to your audience, basically, is what it feels like. Right. But that's what it is. At the end of the day, it doesn't help. We've talked about this before the show, you know? It, yeah. It's not going, the people who are like, say, for instance, we're talking about Lil Nas X or a Cardi B music video, the sexualization in, in the videos, it's not going to, someone who loves those videos is not going to see your status on Facebook and say, you know what? That is so thought provoking. Yeah, I never yeah. thought about it that way. I think I'm going to start boycotting Cardi B. <laughs> you know, it's not going to change anyone's perspective. Right. You already have a way of thinking and you already have a way of viewing these things. So I, I feel like I hate to say immature, but I mean, it, 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 because I used to do it and it wasn't some of this stuff wasn't that long ago, a year or two years ago. You know, I was commenting on things in the political realm. I was commenting on things in, in the pop culture realm as well, things that I like or things that I don't like. And, and nowadays I just try to, you know, like my mama always taught me, Shane, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's fair. I mean, that, that's honestly, dude, like I'm, I'm kind of having like my uh, – 
uh, due to lack of a better term, my come to Jesus moment with like social media. Like I'm thinking like, you know what? I really don't need to be on here anymore. Like honestly, and I've used the excuse for so long. I've said, man, I don't have any other way to promote my stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have any other way to promote my music. I don't have any other way to promote my podcast. Well, now I'm finally leaning into the direction of I am going to be a content creator. I am not exclusively going to be a rapper or a musician. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? I could easily just live in these platforms and just post my stuff and work with what I've got and just figure it out without Facebook, man. Like Facebook, yeah. Facebook has become like such a trivial pursuit. You know, everyone, everyone wants to point the finger at someone else, you know, and you hear a lot of times people say, oh, well, and it's true. Facebook has become such a volatile place and a place for drama and this and that. Well, sometimes you have to take a step back and look in the mirror, you know, what are you doing on Facebook? How is someone else taking what you're posting on Facebook? You know, like how... You know, like say if 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 I posted a super pro Trump status or uh, an anti, uh, you know, whatever so and so so you know, like other politician status, how does that make my liberal friends feel? You know, like yeah, and, and, and what am, you know, how ugly am I being with the things that I'm saying? You know, I think that you know, yeah, it has become a volatile and, and nasty, dirty place, but a lot of it's because of us. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, most of it is. I mean, it's us. You know, we're, right. we have created that that monster. And I'm glad you. I'm glad you say that about taking a look in the mirror because for me, I, like you know, and also another thing we were talking about before we started recording was like me saying like used to it was like one of these like almost like uh like the punk rock staying in me where it's like you know what I just want to piss everybody off. You know what I'm saying? I just want to make everybody mad. Like, so what? Yeah. And now I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of, and you know, when it comes to politics, I, I was very vocal about Donald Trump because I got caught up in it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I was very vocal about how I felt about Donald Trump exclusively because I got caught up in it. I think and, that the world was caught up with that, whether regardless of what side you were on, you know, yeah, the media, really just created a MMA fight. They promoted and created the best MMA fight of all time. Yeah. And you were either hardcore Donald Trump or you were either hardcore against Donald Trump. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's just very interesting to, to think about, you know, how different things are now as opposed to, you know, I was watching a video. It was right before Barack Obama was elected as president for his first term. And I believe he was running against John McCain for president. And it was so interesting to see their interactions with with each other and how cordial they were and just how different it was. And that was only, you know, 12 years ago, however many years ago. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just interesting. And when you watch the dynamic between a, a Nancy Pelosi and a Donald Trump, or, uh, you know, it's just like they behave like children now. And, and yeah. it's, it's it's almost like we're watching reality TV and we're not watching, you know, polit- elected political officials, you know. And, and look, 
I I think that Donald Trump did a lot of good things, but I, I do think that the way he handled himself and, and he I'll give this to anybody that's a, a anti-Trump person. He the way he carried himself and the way that he, uh, you know, he <laughs> tweeted on social media was very unpresidential. And, and I can't deny that. And, and a lot of the things that he did. You know, I understand why he he did the things he did, and, and I know what type of person. I don't know him personally, but I know that he's a certain type of person, and I understand why he rubbed the people the wrong way. You know, and um, I don't know. It's just interesting to to think about how different things are now as opposed to how they were twelve, sixteen years ago. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it. it... I mean, we, it's, it's very safe to say, which I was very vocal. Like I said, I was very vocal about how I had disdain for Donald Trump. Uh, after Donald Trump left the White House is when I immediately realized that Donald Trump was the perfect thing for the system that are the establishment. He was the perfect thing because of the fact of the way that the media plays off people, the way that, you know, just whatever. The reason why Donald Trump didn't get impeached because you know, they were said, you know what, man, he's keeping all of our other industries alive. Like he is, he is, he is one of the reasons why like everything is, you know, not perfect. The reason why they didn't get him out of the white house, because they definitely could have, if they wanted to. And the only reason I say that they definitely could have, if they wanted to is because of the way that they have such a veil right now, like there is a veil over the whole body of Americans eyes of how things are going right now. Now, mind you, I'm not about to spend 25 minutes talking about Joe Biden, but <laughs> it's not necessarily about Joe Biden, dude. He's a it's puppet. Not, it's beyond, it's beyond him. And it's the thing that we thought, listen, I know a lot of people didn't like Barack Obama, but we were all under some kind of like mass hypnosis under Barack Obama. Like, I, I, part of that is true and part of it is not. Dude, I, listen, for some reason, I thought that everybody was going to be okay by, when Barack Obama was in office. I thought that we were, like, beyond racism, and people – you'll have – half the people online will tell you you're crazy, and half the people will be like, dude, I totally agree. But I was like, look, there is obviously still racism in the world, but our president is black. Please, can you give us like a break for a second? Because the rest of us do not care about anything to do with race. Like we do not care about any of that. We are totally cool and happy and like like love hanging out with all of our friends no matter their ethnicity. And for some reason, between when Barack Obama was not president and when Joe Biden became president, racism was back full-fledged. Like it became like such a big topic of conversation. And the only time I ever heard about it was from people who said that racism is still alive and it's thriving and it's blah, 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 blah. I never heard, I didn't have any friend come up to me and just automatically decide, you know what? I don't like black people again. No, none of my friends did that. None of my friends did. All of my friends, all of the people that I surround myself with, they came to me. Not they didn't come to me on one specific day and say this, but they they were like, "Hey, it's great, dude. This is awesome. Like, look at this. 
Like we spent all of our time when Barack Obama was in office. I spent all of my time hanging out with all ethnicities of people. And ever since Donald Trump, a year into his office, I'm not saying it's because of him. I'm just saying that became the narrative. That was the narrative to crush him or to go against Donald Trump. Mind you, I don't like Donald Trump. I'm just saying it how it is. I don't yeah. like Donald Trump, and I, and I don't like Joe Biden. And here we are six, seven years removed from Barack Obama, and I don't like him either. But I don't like the government. <laughs> so, Short story, I don't like the government. I don't trust the government. I, I digress. Look, earlier you said something about uh, – you know, they turned it into they turned it all into a UFC match, right? Yeah. John, I know you I know that you and I have probably shared the couch once or twice watching a UFC event. Yes. I couldn't tell you which event because I'm just trying to segue, so give me a break. And I know that at some point in my younger years we were together when there was a UFC fight on television. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh do you keep up with the UFC much these days? Not as much as I used to. I, you uh, know. Brock left and you you left too, huh? Well, Brock Lesnar was my first true, like, love? he was the reason. He, yeah, he was the reason. Yeah, first true love. He got me into the UFC, man. And uh, but mainly because when I first heard that he was fighting in the UFC, I was thinking to myself, like, this dude's going to get smashed, you know? Yeah, sure, he's got a great physique and. And, you know, he's a big dude, but that doesn't matter. He's going to get embarrassed by these guys. So the first actual UFC fight that I watched live was Brock Lesnar versus Randy Couture for the heavyweight title. And I was already like, you know, I was like, he got the guys that they put him in front of. Like, you know, I was a doubter initially, but I became a fan the night that Brock Lesnar beat Randy Couture for the world title. And something that I loved about Brock Lesnar was he was – he embraced the role of a villain so well. I like the crap talkers, the trash talkers. Like those are my favorite. The Rampage Jacksons, your uh, Chael Sonnens. Your oh man, Chael, Uncle Chael. Conor, Conor McGregor. Okay, Conor McGregor took that torch and brought it to all new heights. But but Brock Lesnar, when you rewind back to him just for a second, even after he embarrassed and demolished Frank Mir the way he was just such a jackass after the fight was over to, to Frank Mir. He looked at him and he was still talking shit to this guy when he was face was like swollen up like a balloon and he had blood everywhere. And he's still like in this guy's face after the fight is over to me. Yes. Maybe that is a little tacky, but it is so hilarious. You know, like I, I just, I found that to be so funny. Like, I want to be entertained when I watch. I want to be invested in these fights. And the only thing, maybe I'm a freak, but the only thing that can get me truly invested is the people like that. The, the Rampage Jackson, like, you know, when he fought Rashad Evans, it was a terrible fight, by the way. But their buildup with Rashad Evans and Rampage Jacksons for that fight on the Ultimate Fighter when they were just literally in each other's faces for like five minutes straight on the show. And they were like, and, and, and Rampage was like, you a bitch. And Rashad's like, treat me like a bitch. <laughs> and they said that, <laughs> they said that like a hundred times over and over again, but it was just, I love that kind of stuff, man. Like that to me, 
that is what really gets me truly intrigued in, in, in UFC and mixed martial arts. But nowadays, I, I don't watch it as, as much as I used to. I literally used to buy every single pay-per-view almost. Um, I thought about getting this this most recent card. Was Stipe Miocic on there or no? No. Okay, for some reason, I thought Stipe was going to be on those cards. That shows you how much <laughs> how much I knew about it. But I did read afterwards, we were talking about this earlier, that uh, Glover Teixeira won the light heavyweight title which from Jan Blakowicz, which is yeah. really impressive. How old is is uh, Glover, by the way? Uh, he, I want to say he's 40-something. He's yeah, that's old. crazy. Maybe not. He might be. And I'm pretty sure he's old. I'll look it up. Respect to that guy, man. He's been in the game for a while. He he had issues with his green card back in the day, and they finally got him to the UFC probably in the late I'm, – I'm sorry, the early 2010s, I think, is when he first came around. Um, and he fought John Jones. He fought uh, Alexander. I mean, he's been in the that yeah, division. He's, he's for been a while. fighting for a while. Yeah, so it's uh, I'm that's that's cool to hear that he won the title. I think he deserves it, you know, because he trained with Chuck Liddell back in the day when Chuck was in his prime. Yeah, he and he bo- um, Glover was born in '79. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, that's when my dad graduated and, from high school. Yeah, it was like it was like he he won the fight like within one day of his birthday. That's cool. He became champion, and he but he's been obviously been fighting for a long time, and this yeah, is the helped- first time he's become champion. He helped mold Chuck Liddell into the beast that he was in his prime. And yeah. he was a young – Glover was a young man at that time, you know. And he, for years he had issues with his green card, and he couldn't get into the country until finally he, you know, he got a green card. And, and uh, like I said, he started in the UFC. It might have been the late 2000s, but I think it was the early 2010s when he first started fighting in the UFC finally. And he was – man, he's, you can tell he's a, he's a beast on his feet. And still, obviously, I mean, he's – must not be too shabby to be able to beat Jan Blakowicz, which I thought Jan might be the new, you know, goat in that division. But guess I was wrong about that. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I thought he was going to smash everybody. I, thought- I watched I watched the Jan and Izzy fight, and uh, that was disappointing for me for other reasons. Like, you know, I thought Izzy was going to be the next Anderson Silva, like. Uh, and, and he's very good. Don't get me wrong. But when you you found, out he, talk, you found out he was human. I mean, well, yeah, I know. And, and that's the thing. When you talk noise like Izzy was, and, and you move up to a division, you better back it up. And that's that's what Connor did. Connor started off at one forty five, then he went up to Eddie Alvarez at one fifty five and beat the brakes off of him. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that just that kind of disappointed me and Izzy a bit. But I, I think that Izzy's got a bright future and. uh my wife and I love to watch him fight. He's he's pretty awesome. Yeah. His entrances are kick-ass, too. Yeah, he always does something special when he shows up. That's what I like to see. I like to see the people that talk a lot of smack, that, that make, you know, the entrances is a plus. He always usually has an epic entrance where he comes out doing backflips and dance moves, and it's all choreographed and everything. Dude. But um, I love that stuff, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to – like the thing that sucks, like you know, the highest selling, the highest selling like uh, gate that they, the UFC has ever had was at the uh, what was it like the it was called like the the Marvel Arena or whatever at the time. Like Marvel was sponsoring the 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 actual venue, but I'm trying. It's like it was whatever it was. It was either in New Zealand or Australia. I think it was in Sydney or something like that, but. Whenever Robert Whitaker fought uh, Israel Adesanya, 
and it was for the Robert Whitaker had the belt, and it was when Israel got the belt, and it yep. was it was in either New Zealand or Australia. I can't remember, but it, I remember that the 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 it wasn't an arena; it was a stadium. Like they fucking sold out. Like this was like the highest gate that the uh, UFC had ever had. Like they sold out a whole stadium. Like it was Muhammad Ali versus you know who George Foreman or something. Like it was like the biggest deal wow. in the world. But it happened to be on, like, a continent on the other side of the world. Speaking of Marvel, Shane. Speaking of. Don't forget, anyone that might be listening, if you haven't checked it out yet, I do have a YouTube podcast. And Shane might or might not have been on there once or twice. The, The YouTube show is called Comic Book Cinema. You can look us up on YouTube. We also have an Instagram page, at Real Comic Book Cinema. Uh we talk about comic book movies. Basically. I mean, we review comic book movies. We talk about upcoming comic book movies and uh, yeah, my good friend Shane here has been on there twice. So yes, yes. It's a, it's a great show. You guys had to get that, that shameless plug through real quick. Shane, there is, there is so much shame in that plug. (laughs) (laughs) I was just picking, no, definitely. You guys need to check it out, which to be fair for everyone that, you know, the handful of people that I have that hit me up, you know, just talking about the podcast or whatever. I always tell them about you, and I always tell them about my homeboys at the Hilly and Hideout. Like the, these are the two shows that, like, I a hundred percent, like, without a shadow of a doubt, will endorse. Not by the way, it's not the only two shows I've ever been on. So just know that out of the six or seven shows that I've been on, the two that I'm always gung ho telling everybody about is your show and the Hilly and Hideout. You guys are you guys are the squad. With that being said, this next week, yeah. So I don't remember the exact last thing we said, but I do want to talk about the fight coming up this next week. It's going to be Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington two. I did not know that that was happening this weekend. It's happening this coming up weekend. Yes, and it's going Saturday night. Listen, John, did you watch the first one? Yes, it was a barn burner. Colby broke his jaw. That makes me sad because I got too much, like we were just talking about, we are too busy these days, Shane. (laughs) I don't even think I'm going to be able to watch this fight because, like I said, I have to go catch the Eternals because the following day I'm going to do a review on it on my podcast. Right. And um, I really wouldn't mind trying to catch your concert, so – there's probably no way in heck that I'm going to be able to watch this, this, these fights, Shane. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to be, uh, using all of my, uh, what's the, what is it called? Hotspot. I'm going to hook up, I'm going to hook up the computer or the TV backstage for the show and I'm going to definitely put the fight on. Okay. So you're going to be watching it. That's cool. Yes. I'm definitely not going to leave the theater until after the, that whole fight is over. Because those two guys, there's no love loss between those two. They really don't like each other either. So that's it's going to be interesting. It's genuine. Yeah. yeah. It's, I like good rivalries like that. And, you know, that, that same night we have, I think, I think it's it. Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje. Like, uh, that's going to be crazy. Like, same night. That's a good fight, too. Yeah. I mean, because if Michael Chandler loses, he's probably going to retire. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, how old is Michael Chandler? 
uh, he's old enough. I mean, he he's old enough to have lived out and become champion in two different other, uh, you know, companies. Uh, companies, yeah. Promotions, yeah. Yeah. So for him to be in the UFC and then to take two L's in a row, like I mean, he's probably not going to be interested in fighting in the UFC anymore. You know, and they've already kind of got him comfortable with a suit on, doing the common like not commentary, but like uh, analytic stuff or whatever. So he probably he would do well in that realm. And if he wanted to, he could probably make a podcast and pay all of his bills. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> when, you're, when you're a celebrity like that, and you know, you build your name, whether it's a wrestler or a UFC fighter, whatever, or Drew Brees. Yeah, you can. Man, you can. Do a podcast and make a killing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he could he could definitely have a show. Like there'd be people, plenty of people ready to throw him some money to come do a show or whatever. But if he wins, then Justin Gaethje is going to you know, if Justin Gaethje loses, Justin Gaethje's not going to retire because he knows he's a badass. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the thing with Michael Chandler is like he has made this journey, this trek to the top a few times already. And if he loses, then it's going to take him so long, especially with, uh, you know, uh, Khabib's little boy or brother or whatever that's coming up. It's not his brother. I think it's his cousin or, you know, whatever. So when does Dustin Poirier have his fight with the uh, what's the, I don't even know the guy's name Paul well not Paul um the Brazilian Were you about to say Paul Felder because Paul Felder yeah, is I was not about to say Paul. the champion of the lightweights I know what what's the guy's uh the guy Charles Oliveira yeah Charlie Olives okay so Charlie Olives and Dustin Poirier when are they having that fight that's the fight I really want to see I think that's the uh, the main pay per view in December okay I want to see that fight sign me up for that fight. And I'll just leave it at this. And if you want to, we can move to something else. But the way Conor McGregor got beat by by Dustin Poirier and the way he was still mm. talking crap was pathetic. That's the difference. See, the difference between Brock Lesnar and what he did at the end of the Frank Mir fight versus what Conor McGregor did at the end of the Dustin Poirier, the third. Was it the third or the second Dustin? It was the third, right? Yeah. The third Dustin Poirier fight. That was pathetic, Shane. Yeah. You got beat, you got embarrassed. Even even if you broke your leg, and that was maybe the only reason why it was obviously the only reason why the fight was stopped. Right. Not, but he was but not winning the fight on the way to that point. You should have just been humble, been respectful at the end of that fight. Then ramp up your bull crap again later on when it's time to promote your next fight with Dustin Poirier. But he had to go and and throw a low blow and talk about how Dustin Poirier's wife was in his DMs. Which I'm not sure how true that is, but I'm convinced that it's not true because if it was true, I mean, I was convinced that it wasn't true the night of, but if it was true, there's no way that that horse would have been allowed to die. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, there's no, if, especially if Connor was the type of guy that, which, you know, hard segue, we're going into Connor, but if you were going to let that be the way you released, what you were saying, you would that night when Connor got dragged out of the the octagon, you would have been online like proving every single possible way that it was true that yep. this guy's wife was hollering at you. Now, mind you, I am hey, wrong. Before the fight, though, there was when on the build up to that fight, there, there was, was a screenshot that. that Connor sent showing the DM like her 
sending him a request. Yeah. But the but anything can be faked though in today's day and age. True, like, true, that's true. I mean that that happens all the time. The thing is, the thing is, is that's why I say he would have tried to everything he could to go master level authenticate that. Like he would have done everything he could to show everyone that this is authentic, this is real. She really did do this. You know what I'm saying? Like 100. percent He would have stayed, put the pedal to the metal on that. Instead, after what he said in the the. Uh, you know, he said right after the fight, he didn't say anything else about that. He cracked jokes about it. It wasn't a good look for Connor. <clears throat> the, the, the most disappointing thing to me is this. <clears throat> Connor McGregor is the only UFC fighter that I have followed his entire UFC career from beginning to end. I watched his debut fight, and as soon as he knocked out Marcus Bremich, and did his little promo on the mic talking about 60 G's, baby. Like, I became a huge Connor fan. I said to myself, this kid's going to be a star one day. Sure enough, two years later, maybe less than two years after that, he was a huge star in the UFC. He's at the point now where he has literally transcended the sport. He is bigger than the UFC itself in a lot of ways. Right. And it's just heartbreaking to me to see someone that I – have been following since the very beginning of their career. And I've been such a huge fan and always like came to his defense when, when, when he was, you know, getting negative attention in the media to see this, this kid punching old men in bars and, and, you know, some of his antics and getting arrested and, and just making such poor decisions, even throwing the dolly at the, at the bus. That was so dumb, you know, and that, that's not, that's, that doesn't fit into the even category. Even though, no, that fits into definitely top three topics of conversation when it comes to his legacy. Him yeah. doing him doing that looks cool as long as you know it's fake. And it yeah. was not fake. It yep. was a real thing. And the fact that that happened amongst tag on everything else that we could have in this conversation. And it's not okay. It goes to show – now – What's crazy about that specifically, I mean, and it's exciting, you know, it's exciting, but it's because it's like this guy booked a private jet or plane, chartered a, a plane to fly him and his fucking hooligans over to America to go and rage out and do what they did. And it's like there's the one hand of that that is like that's amazing but when you tag on all this other stuff it's like look dude like what are you doing like you're destroying you're destroying you're crushing the souls of all the people that are even there's so many people that are only watching this sport still just so they can be aware of who you're going to possibly fight when you come back and it's like you did this to those people you know what i'm saying like you because like i mean take all the other polarizing things that are going on in the world and it's like okay that's happening but you only orchestrate or you only connect that to the polarization ufc is different it's a sport it's it's entertainment it's something we watch and we're like yeah we like drama but in the same breath it's like dude you going out and keeping headlines it's like even if you win your next fight i'm gonna feel guilty bragging about it yeah, you know I'm saying like I'm gonna feel guilty for being like, man, Conor McGregor kicked that guy's ass. Yeah, people are like, you, well, you know, he sucks though. You hit the nail right on the head. It's hard to be a proud Conor McGregor fan after the, a lot of the crap that he's done. There's there's forever going to be an asterisk next to his name and next to his legacy because of all this bullshit. And on top of that, in retrospect, 
we think of Mike Tyson and his, you know, and his rise and, and his career, we think of him as like, you know, he was kind of a bad dude. You know, he got put in prison and blah, blah, blah. Well, look at Conor McGregor now. What is he? He's, he's going down the exact same path, honestly, arguably in a much worse direction. And he's gotten luckier, you know, like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> if there was a definition of white privilege. <laughs> oh, my God. But Conor McGregor has, I mean, especially if, you, let's just say that we null and void any, uh, and I hate to say that it pains me to even acknowledge that phrase. Yeah. But, uh, man, like, I don't well, know, dude. Well, if you, if you want to take, if you want to take a deep breath and, and take a step back, you don't have to. You can look at it as, uh, class because he's rich. He's filthy rich. He's yeah. filthy rich and he's famous. It, it might not have anything to do with the fact that he's white. Bill Cosby's free. That was Tyson, though. He was pretty rich and pretty famous when he got arrested. Yeah, he went to prison. Conor McGregor yeah. ain't spent a day in a hard cell, bro. I know. <laughs> but it's it's just disheartening because, like I said, I, I, I followed the kid since he debuted. He's the same age as me. And uh, it's just disappointing. Yeah, it, it is very disappointing. And honestly, the main reason why it is disappointing is just because of the fact that, like, everyone championed you. Like, I, you could, he could have even been a poor sport about, like, losing fights. But it's the fact that, like, dude, you even had the opportunity for people to be on your side after you lost to Khabib. After he lost to Khabib, he got jumped in the crowd. Everybody watched that who watched that fight. They saw where he got jumped because people jumped in there, beat his ass. And we were, and I remember that night when it happened, we were just, it was almost like the president got shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the way we acted because when they jumped in, like after he lost, we were like, Oh my God. And then all these people jumped in and it was like chaos. And of all my years of watching UFC, I've seen crazy shit happen, but it was nothing like what happened that night. And it was like people were on your side. And here we are two, three years later, and you are still acting like a jackass. Like, Even though Connor was a, in a very dark place during that time period, and a lot of the promotion leading up to that fight with Khabib was very dark. Oh, you know, yeah. from, from Connor, like that's the darkest I've ever seen Connor get. And it was almost like he was on something in those press conferences. Like he was either super drunk or on some. Something, you know, yeah. like he was getting very dark with with a lot of the insults and, and the jabs he was throwing Khabib's way. And I think a lot of that was because maybe he was scared and he knew what he was getting himself into. I don't know. I hate to admit that, but yeah. um But you're know, right. Man. You're right though. I mean, he took it he took it he took it too far. Mm-hmm. Like he took it too far and then he lost. And that's what I'm saying, though, about how afterwards the only validation that we had was the fact that he got jumped afterwards. Yep. Knowing good, knowing good and damn well that if it would have went the other way and his people would have jumped in and beat up on Khabib, we'd have been like, yeah, fuck him. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm, I, and as a person, as an individual, that made me have to be self-reflective whenever I thought about the fact that why would we be okay with it if it was the other way around? You know what I'm saying? And I'm just saying, like, because I don't think I would have been okay with that. I would have felt the same way that I felt about him throwing the dolly at the bus, the same way that I felt about him getting arrested multiple times, about punching an old guy in the face in a bar. Yeah. He, 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 <laughs> he's, 
He's going down the path of John Jones, and both of those kids have so much potential. And literally, honestly, in my heart, I believe that John Jones is the GOAT of MMA. And if that kid could just get his crap together and refocus, he could really do great things. And the same with Connor. Like, those two just need to get their act together and and put aside the party-crazy wild lifestyle and focus on what got you all the money in the first place and, and create that legacy that you know you want to have. Carve out that awesome legacy. You know, Con- Connor and John Jones both, man. John Jones, no one's ever beat him in the UFC officially. The yeah. only fight he lost was a bullshit disqualification for throwing a three to six elbow, which really shouldn't be illegal in, in the first place. Right. And now Connor's a little bit different. Yeah, he did some great things. He went up to weight, different weight classes and he won some titles, but. He's got a few asterisks by his record, you know, and now huh? the whole Dustin Poirier. The fact that he lost that third fight to Dustin Poirier, that's what really, whoo, man, that's what really, like, hurt my heart. <laughs> the way he de- the way he dealt with it is what and hurt the, the way he dealt with it, too. That that was like the icing on the cake. Like, that was like the nail in the coffin. If he would have broke his leg and laughed it off and just mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, just like whatever, and just yeah. call it a day. I- I'll come back another time, you know, like. That's all you got to do, mate. <laughs> but no, you decided to get even more dark, even more personal. Right. And man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to. And, and, and that's, you're thinking, you're speaking just exclusively off of the, the night and the 24 hours after that fight. He has done nothing but tarnish his name since that fight. Yep. He has done nothing but tarnish his name since that fight. Got into another altercation or whatever at a bar. What, what did you say happened again? He, 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 he allegedly punched a DJ in, in Italy. He also tried to fight uh, Machine Gun Kelly at the MTV Awards or whatever. Something. Yeah. And I we, saw that. We, we're like, yeah, that's awesome because MGK is a chode, but in the same breath, apparently it was incredibly unwarranted. Yep. It was unnecessary. It was all Connor just showing out. And it's like, dude, what are you doing, bro? Like, these people aren't like that. And it's like, okay, I understand the whole, you know, I, like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a product of uh, culture and the social media. So I understand the vibe of, like, let me get, you know, my name on some headlines. But in the same breath, like, if, you, if you're not knocking the guy out and then you tell us immediately afterwards why you knocked him out, then you look like a, a douche. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like – we came to the conclusion that he wanted to take a picture with Megan Fox. She told, uh, or she told him no because of Machine Gun Kelly, and then he or Machine Gun Kelly told him no. So he was like, "Wow, uh, you, you're you know who I am? I'm Conor McGregor." And then they got into an argument or a dispute, which this isn't, you know, no, no one told us anything afterwards. And if that's how it played out, it still makes Conor look like a bitch. <laughs> yep, you know, and I hate to say that because that's my guy. Me too, man. Uh, um, it, it's hard for me to turn my back against Connor completely, but <clears throat> right now I would say that I'm about halfway there. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I was going to say this a few minutes ago, but Connor's going to be okay. Connor is, even if yeah. Connor came back and he lost his next two or three fights, and I'm saying like whether he should be or he shouldn't, Connor McGregor is going to be okay. Connor McGregor is going to be able to be, get on any show. Anytime he wants to get sell something or anytime he wants to do something, he's going to be all right. He will be or movie or, or yeah. WWE might be a viable option for him in the future, but 
but when when it comes down to John Jones, you know, you, you you brought up John Jones and his his misdirection in life. John Jones, unfortunately for him, and because of his life choices, this is what he's got, and everything else that he could have, he has got to win one more fight, one more fight for all of that to be worth the money that he needs to just quit doing UFC. Like, I mean, obviously he could probably do that now, but I'm saying like if John Jones goes and he fights and he loses his next fight, whether it's in lightweight or it's in heavyweight, if he loses that fight, he's not going to fight again. Or, you know, maybe, maybe he will, maybe, but he's not going to, what's going to happen is he's going to make, John Jones has problems and it's very apparent that he has problems. You know, all this stuff that happened recently with him and where he should have probably been kicked out of the UFC, they've done him and his family and his team and the UFC have done a great job to make that not a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like they've, they've done everything they possibly can to make that not a big deal. That behavior, the whole snafu with him and the, uh, the picograms of, uh, uh, not steroids, but it was, uh, was estrogen blocker or, uh, some type of performance enhancing drug. Maybe yeah. uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Test TRT. Maybe anyway, they found, they said it was picograms. Like, you know, it was like taking a, a, a pinch of salt and throwing it into a swimming pool is what the comparison was of how much of that he had in, in his bloodstream. Right. 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 But, um, and supposedly it was from dick pills that he bought at a gas station. Like, are you serious, man? Are you serious, bro? You got all this money and you're going to buy like sketchy dick pills from a gas station? Yeah, yeah, you're you're a millionaire. You're John Jones and you bought dick pills from a gas station. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like the decisions some of these guys make, and maybe it's it's easy for me to sit in my chair of almightiness, you know, and and point yeah. the finger, but um I don't know. I just I would like to think that I could do a little bit better of a job if I was in their position. If I was a uh, <laughs> world renowned, uh, if I was the best UFC fighter in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, but, it's troubling. I, you think to yourself, like you don't ever hear about uh, Alexander Volkanovsky or Max Holloway or Henry Cejudo or. You know, any of these people ever getting in trouble or buying dick pills at gas stations? Like, why is it that you that's supposed to be like the legend, the like the goat to your point earlier? Like you're the only reason. Andrew, well, I'll say Anderson Silva, but outside of Anderson Silva, John Jones is the only reason that I started to debt like be like, oh, man, I've got to watch this fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to watch this fight because John Jones is fighting. 10 years ago, you know, like John Jones so is cool. the man. It would, so, it would have been so cool to see John Jones and Brock Lesnar fight. Although I know that Brock would have got smashed because there's no Brock's main, uh, not offense, but I mean, what, how am I trying to word this here? His, the, the biggest threat that Brock brings to the table is his wrestling game. Yeah. And that would be completely negated by John Jones. Yeah. So yeah, he would be so evasive, like yeah, and not it, to mention John Jones. If John Jones was capable of being on top of Brock Lesnar or having like the control position, Brock's done. Like yep. 
your weight and your power and the fact that you look like one of those shark uh what was that three sharks yeah whatever whatever it was like he looks like a savage you are incredibly intimidating but if you're fighting against somebody who's been fighting people who are intimidating his entire life then it's not that intimidating i'm sure you know and honestly i don't even think john jones would have had to bring brock lesnar to the ground i think he would have just beat his ass like because he's so evasive and he's fast He's fast enough, you know. Oh yeah, he he would have honestly in my brain if that fight would have happened, I see John Jones keeping the fight standing on purpose. Yeah, and uh, you know he might have taken down Brock once or twice to prove a point, which he absolutely could. Uh, but I think that he would have kept the fight standing. Brock would have came in for some for some takedowns. He might have John Jones might have been throwing throwing a knee as Brock was coming in for the takedown, getting you know changing yeah. levels, but. Yeah, there's no ch- like as much as I hate to say it, there's no chance in hell that Brock Lesnar wins that fight one time out of ten times. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's great because as consumers, we're like, oh my god, it would be so great to see this fight. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's so great. But in reality, it's like when you think about what Brock Lesnar, especially who he is now, like Brock Lesnar is going to come out there and survive for a round, and then. Uh, 45 seconds into that second round, he's going to lose and he's going to get that check and he's going to go right back to professional wrestling. And yep. he's like, no big deal. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause what's it? It's not like he's coming back to go for t- title contendership. You know, it's not yeah. like he's coming back to be like, yeah, I'd be John Jones. <laughs> Which yep. that fight's probably not ever going to happen. Just like another fight. I, you know, I, I was going to talk to, to you about the, the, the uh pro wrestling uh woes but rather than getting into that i just want to take a few minutes to talk about something before we get out of here who do you think would have won between izzy and john no doubt john jones izzy Izzy, no doubt yeah i'm when i say that john jones is the goat i mean it there especially a john jones that's in his prime you know, which was only a year ago. I mean, he's still only 33, 34. So he's, he's not quite out of his prime just John yet. John Jones was not in his prime a year ago. I, I was, I would say that John Jones and his, like, and what we've seen, his performances as far as his performances in the octagon would have been like mm, 2012, 2011, somewhere in that era. Not saying, not taking away anything from him now. I just think that he fights a little differently now, a little more smart and a little more wise. But there, there is, I, I really don't, I hate to say it. I, I mean, I'm a big Izzy fan too, but, uh, I'm not necessarily a John Jones fan, but <clears throat> oh, I don't, no, I'm not. I'm not a big John Jones fan. I never have been. Uh, but I respect John Jones. It's like Tom and, Brady. And, and I, yeah. And I know that he is the best to ever do it. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, buts about it. But you can take the best version of Izzy versus the worst version of John Jones, and John Jones would be <laughs> would beat him every time. I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, to be fair, I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here because, yeah. I mean, you know, over the past you know three or four years, that conversation has been had. You know, Izzy, or I say three or four years, Izzy's only really been around for. Like that, we would have this conversation for about three years now. But and he was uh, beaten by Jan Blakowicz, you know. 
Yeah, but in the and what's crazy is that guy just lost. But I know I, th- I think Glover Teixeira, who John Jones beat. <laughs> honestly, what I thought, I think in my head, like Izzy could probably he almost could go down to welterweight. I don't think that he should, but I'm just saying, like He's Izzy would be. Guy. Izzy would do better at welterweight than he would be to gain weight. It's like yep. he's so lanky, like every little pound he puts on, that it's just going to slow you down. And your speed is the only thing that is the reason why you win. It's not his strength. It's the fact that he has speed. You're talking he, about the pound-for-pound pound debate, not if Izzy were into reality, like go up to 205 and fight John Jones. Yeah, I mean, technically. I mean, even still, though, like you think about like, Izzy is people. The big thing they say is like Izzy's got great striking. Like okay, Izzy and uh, John Jones find themselves on the ground after they've both been waylaying each other for two rounds. They find each other on the ground. John Jones is going to tap you out, bro. Like John Jones is going to stroke you down and make you tap. Like that's hands down or for it against Izzy. But the thing is, is if they're standing, to your point earlier, if they're standing and they're popping each other, Izzy's fast. He's got the moves. He's evasive, just like John, like equal He's to fast, John. But the, that's, the, that's the beauty of John Jones is if the fight is not going his way on the feet, he could – I don't care who it is. He can take it down in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've never seen – especially when he first hit the scene, how big of a threat he was like everywhere and how unpredictable he was and how smart of a fighter he was like strategic and, and just as good as you can get, especially for that era. He was so ahead of his time when he first hit the scene. I think it was 2010 roughly when he fought for the first couple of times. And he, when he demolished Mauricio Shogun Hua. Yeah. That is unlike anything I've ever seen. And, yeah. and I can remember being just as shocked as everybody else at the time, but he made that guy look like a little boy. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think the, the game has evolved a lot since John Jones hit the scene. That was 11, 12 years ago. Uh, but, you know, people are starting to catch up to him a bit, but he's still ahead of the curve. And, as far as his athleticism and his size, and he has deceiving strength too. He yeah. looks like a lanky individual himself, but he is very strong. You know, don't get it twisted. The way he threw Stefan Bonner around, Stefan Bonner was a big 205er in that fight. Yeah. And he threw that dude around like he was a ragdoll. So yeah, I, I, as of now, unless something crazy or some new guy hits the scene or Izzy, uh, drastically improves John Jones is my goat I mean he's it's hard to top the things that he's accomplished and 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 all of his attributes put together you know even even in today like if if Izzy and John Jones fought like I said John Jones could easily take down Israel Adesanya easily right that's just how I see it though I guess I guess that makes sense I mean I I have the the conversation for the sake of the argument. Like I just want to, I just want to be like, oh, Izzy's going to win the first fight, and then John's going to come back and win the second one, and then they're going to have a trilogy. But that's never going to happen. What's really going to happen is if, if which I don't think it's going to happen ever now, to be honest. But if Izzy and John Jones fought, 
by the time they fought, John Jones would be so rattled in his brain that he would still probably he would probably lose. Like John Jones, by the time they will actually fight, it'll probably be for like Triller, and John Jones is going to lose. <laughs> Maybe. I, I I'm not convinced. Whenever John Jones, John Jones get knocked out, but uh, not saying that's impossible, especially as the years continue to come and he gets older and older. The next like time, you, the next time we see John Jones fight, he's going to get knocked the fuck out. You think? Yes, because when he if, goes to heavyweight. Yes, he's going to get knocked all the way out. If he that's fights, the thing. if he fights for if he fights Francis Ngannou, he is yeah. going to get knocked out. Ooh, that would be an intriguing fight to see. I mean, look, man, it's not just because of the fact that he's in heavyweight and he's fighting Francis. That'll be a big deal, but I'm just saying it's not exclusively because of that. It's because of the fact that John Jones has almost not fought for two years. He's never done that before. He's rusty. He's done it a lot lately. The last, like, seven years, he's fought, what, sporadically, like, three, four times? Well, he fought, fought, like, three, three fights in one year. There. That was at the beginning of his career, though, in 2009, 2010. Well, no, this this last little stint he went on when he fought uh, Anthony Smith. He fought Anthony Smith. He fought uh, Alexander Gustafsson the second time. And then he fought uh, that jabroni, which this might have been closer to like two years. But still, it wasn't one fight a year. Uh, What's that guy who almost beat him that everybody said actually beat him? But I don't think they did that he did. Uh oh! Wait, no, it, w- it wasn't Alexander Gustafson. No, no. Well, that no. The first fight that he fought Alexander. Oh, Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes. That's the no, one. No, 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 sir. You're wrong about that. So when he fought Anthony Rumble Johnson, that was yeah, that was that was separated by a lot of time. And 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 when he fought Dominic Reyes, Anthony, that was separated. Anthony Anthony Smith, not Anthony Rumble Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was. I mean. Uh, that was like uh, that was two fights within kind of a year, maybe a year and a half span. Listen, but- he had the second Gustafsson fight. He had Anthony Smith, and he had Dominic Reyes all within two years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but the I, I only reason I say that is because I remember that was when he was coming off of one of his suspensions, and he was like, "Oh, I'm just here to fight. I want to fight." Oh, don't forget, you know, the first time he fought Daniel, and the second time he fought Daniel, that was after long, you know. Yeah, the second time he fought Daniel was in this same span. He did like four fights within two years, definitely, because when he fought, he fought uh, after he beat uh, Cormier. After he beat Cormier the second time, and Cormier cried. It was like a big deal. Like it was like he was like, "Oh, I can beat anybody." So he just went on a rampage and just started fighting all these dudes. And then he decided to stop fighting after Dominic Reyes scared him. Okay, so John Jones fought Ovin St. Prue. That was one of his first fights coming back after he fought Ovin St. Prue in April 2016. His fight, last fight before that, was January 2015, which was the first time he had fought Cormier. Okay. So that was a year and a half layoff. After the, the fight with Ovid St. Prue, it was a year and two months layoff. He fought, uh, he fought, uh, Cormier for the second time. That was so April from two, April 2016 to July 2017. That was like a year and two months. Then he fought, uh, Gustafson for the second time in December 2018. That was a year and a half after he fought 
Cormier for the second time. Damn. So that was another year and a half layoff. Then after that, okay, that one, then you're right. Then he fought Anthony Smith after Gustafson. That was like uh, March 2019 after December 2018. Then he fought uh Santos. I don't even remember that fight. Okay, but he oh, fought him. Oh, yeah, the dude with the hammer on his back. So you're right. You're right, Shane. Within a span of a year, he had three fights. But after that, he had another little layoff that was almost a year. It wasn't quite a year. From his Santos fight, it was July 2019 all the way till February 2020 with Dominic Reyes. That was his most recent fight. So he's had a lot of le- long layoffs. I mean, the yeah. first layoff being, uh, you know, it was after he fought Cormier for the first time, January 2015, coming back in April 2016. That was almost a year and a half. Then his next fight wasn't until July 2017, which was another year and a couple months. So he's had several long layoffs. He's done this several times in the past five years or so. Um, we'll see, man. I mean, it's to me, it's going to be very interesting to have John Jones in the heavyweight division where he's really, truly going to get his chin tested. Yeah. Because I don't give a fuck who you are. If you're in the heavyweight division, you got a good chance of getting knocked out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's they, the they same thing with any kind of combat sports. If you're in the heavyweight division, it's yes. anything goes. And, uh, you know, that's why, that's why Brock got knocked out so many times because he was, he was banging with some killers in that heavyweight division. And, and what's his name? Freaking, uh, the guy you just brought up earlier, Francis Nganu. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He is a straight murderer and Different he's the body of a Greek god. I mean, dude, I would hate to spend two minutes in the ring with Francis Nganu. Yeah. I don't think I would make it. <laughs> I'm not interested in it either. No. With that being said, John, I think it's about time. I think it's that time too, Shane. Uh, go ahead and tell these people, these beautiful people, what you think uh, they should be listening to after they get off of this podcast. You talking about comic book cinema? <laughs> Am I plugging that again or what are we talking about? Yeah, comic book cinema. It's your time. It's your time to tell them. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have plugged it earlier. No, uh, it's yeah. okay if you can pl- – John, listen. This is organic poison. Anything <laughs> goes, brother. <laughs> well, yeah. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I do have a YouTube show called Comic Book Cinema. We also have an Instagram page. You can look us up there at Real Comic Book Cinema. You can find us as well on Facebook. Uh started the channel about six months ago. I think that Shane was was one of the inspirations that got me into uh doing the whole – YouTube thing. It's a, it's a wild, crazy world, but it's something I enjoy to do. I, I enjoy watching YouTube videos similar. So I, I, you know, thought for the longest time, maybe it'd be cool if I did this one day. Finally, I decided to do it. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, if you're into that sort of thing or you know somebody that's into comic book movies and the discussion more specifically of comic book movies, then check us out. Hell yeah, man. Dude, I'm so great grateful that you've come on the show again i haven't had you on since before you started comic book cinema and it's been a while dude uh you know like i've said a thousand times and i'll say it again anytime you want to come on if you're working on something big and you want to get the word out you just let me know bro you know it brother you know it absolutely john thank you so much for being on the podcast and just so you know whenever john jones comes back we're going to definitely, I'm going to have to get you on the discord. We'll get on the discord and just start talking trash, you know, about, during the whole fight. It'll be Yeah, fun. that's, that's going to be intense, man. I, 
like I said, Shane, I'm not a John Jones fan. I never have been, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for that guy. And I, and in my mind, at least, I, I feel like John Jones is the greatest to ever do it. Hey, you're definitely right. To DKNY, uh-huh. Miami, DC, preferred Versace. Mm, that's right. All Philly hoes know it's Mosquito. Every cutie with the booty for the coochie. Now who's the real dookie? Meaning who's really the shit? The niggas ride dicks. Frank White pushed the stick called the Lexus. LX, four and a half. Bulletproof glass tips if I want some ass. Go and blast.